turn with me please to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. I ask you to please bear with me um, and even forgive me if if this has been a point that has laboured too much, that I'm labouring on it too much. Um, the wiles of the devil, part three. And I'll tell you why I'm labouring on it is because people are contacting me continually about it and saying how they're being helped and strengthened and blessed and encouraged or whatever way with it. So we feel to continue on in the vein, maybe even for another week, I don't know. And I'll be honest, as I've been writing this, um, pondering over it and praying about it and thinking about it. There's been so much that's been going through my mind um, and I'm writing it. I'm even confused this morning where to start, to be honest. I just so much. In fact, this morning I got up and I started writing again early this morning because there was so much came to me when I woke up. And I'm thinking, well, I'll bring that now or next week or whatever. So that's the confusion. It just keeps flying at me at the moment. Let's just lift one verse, uh, uh, and then we'll refer to more scripture. Uh, Ephesians 6 and verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Let us pray. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name to remember Margaret, Jimmy, the family, and Margaret's Family, Lord, at the loss of her brother. We think of those this morning who are remembering loved ones in their anniversary, as there's a few in here of different families who are on the same date. We pray, Lord, for your comfort and blessing to be with them all. Draw near to Margaret at this time and let her know of your comfort and your nearness, Father. Bless your word unto our hearts this morning and glorify your name as we break the bread of life. Lead this man in the anointing of the Spirit, Lord. We ask it for your glory. Amen. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. We don't need to look at it again because we've looked at it for two weeks. But it's that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we have told you the wiles is the methodia of Diabolos. The methods, the methodia, the methods of the devil. The methods of the devil can come through flesh, through other people, in your own thinking. It can come at different times. It can come in your uh, waking hours at night, especially in bed at night. It can come at any time, any time of the morning, noon or evening or nighttime, speaks into your, lies into your mind, into your heart. You're never going to make it. You will never be able to cope. What about, what if this one, that one, the other one? What about this illness is going to take you to the grave? Or what about this you're never uh, going to do? You're, it starts to drag you down, you're nothing, you're no one in Christ. Why would God love you, want you? Are you truly saved? Are you really saved? And I'm not talking about people who profess to be saved and live like the devil now. I'm talking about blood-washed and blood-bought children can be oppressed, not possessed, oppressed 
where the devil oppresses their heart and oppresses their mind, oppresses their life. Especially in the night watches, in the lonely times, in the quiet times, you can feel bereft of God. You can feel bereft where you don't know where you stand with God. All of these wiles of the devil, the methodia, the methods of the devil are vast. But we have shown you over the last couple of weeks that if you're a believer, if you're saved, your worst enemy is not the devil. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, your your worst enemy is not the world. Your worst enemy is yourself. It's your own mind because then you allow the speaking. You take in the listening. You receive what he's saying rather than what the word of God says. And we can all get to that place, including this man. Including this man. The devil may tell you, your flesh may uh, accept and receive that, well, you know, uh, I'm not really, I'm too frail now, I'm too old, or uh, why would God want me or use me or think about me? But yet the Lord loves you. You may feel unloved, think you're unloved. I'm talking to believers now this morning. You may feel unloved, you think you're unloved because we're all human beings and we can have stresses and worries and upsets and anxieties, disappointments and disillusionments and All of these things come against the believer. We're not, we're not, as it were, free from the thoughts of these things. But if the believer uh, receives and believes what the Word of God says about them, then you can be free from the oppression that comes upon you. But it's who you listen to. The voice of God and his word or the voice of the devil and his word, his lies, his lies. You know, when I was first saved, uh, the first thoughts I thought was a few days later was uh, I had this wave of what am I going to do for friends? I left all my friends because we're ungodly. What am I going to do? Uh, at the weekends, what am I going to do for drink? What am I going to do for alcohol? What am I going to do for drugs? My body was starting to feel the effects of the withdrawals automatically from it. And all of these things were coming to me. Fear and anxiety and doubtings came to me right away. Voices would uh, uh, come to speak to your ear, as it were, through people. Temptations. On the third day after I was saved, walking through the estate where I lived, uh, I, I was so known to be taking drugs and in the, the places I went to, I used to be able to phone them up and order them as if you'd phone a pizza today. And they'd drive up to the place where I was. Third day, this guy drives up in the car. I'm not say his name, but he drives up in the car, winds the window down and says, Ken, I've got stuff for the weekend. Do you want to see what it is? He says, it's powerful stuff. I'll have it by the weekend for you. Give me a call. And I says, I'll not need it. Temptation starts to pull at my heart. 
The devil starts to work in my mind, into my spirit. Everything in my flesh is craving it, starts to shake about it. I was needing it, I was wanting it, I was starting to desire it. Three days saved. And I said his name and I says, I'll not need it. He says, why, who are you dealing with? He says, I'm not dealing drugs with anybody. I got saved on Sunday night. Want you to hear that, brothers and sisters? I got saved, I told him. Didn't become religious. I got saved. I was saved. In other words, I was saved and I was delivered. I was saved and I was set free. I was saved. I didn't even know what I was doing at the time speaking to him in this manner because what I was doing was I was declaring who I was in Christ without even knowing it. I couldn't explain it, but I knew that I was saved. And I says, I got saved. And he laughed. He says, you're up to something. I'll see you at the weekend. That was his last words. 27 years later, he's still waiting on me coming to phone him. In the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, when 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 the Lord comes in, the devil goes out. The devil goes out. If you're saved, if you're saved, then you have the power within you through the Spirit and the Word and your obedience to that. And that's important. Your obedience, brother, sister, to that. Some people say, I can't give this up and I can't give that up. The unsaved think that. That's unsaved thinking. I can't make it. I won't do. This is impossible. That's unsaved thinking. I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to overcome this. That is unsaved thinking. That's unsaved mindset. It's thinking, thinking. I would love to be able to quit this, but I can't. I'd love to be able to do this, but I can't. Have you ever read, and I'm talking in spiritual matters and in overcoming matters, have you ever read that the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me? What's wrong with a believer is they're starting to think as an unbeliever when they say, I can't. When they say, oh, I would walk with, I was walking with the Lord, but you know what? I fell. We all fall. And you may have fell greater than maybe someone else and me than you. But it's how you get up and go on. And to say, I can't do without this. I can't do without that. Then you're, you need to look at where you are with Christ. It's where you are with Christ. I'm going to say it again, brother, because, look, as a pastor, I'm dealing with you. I'm speaking to you, and I'm telling you the truth. When the Holy Ghost comes in, the devil goes out. What do you say, brothers and sisters? It's time to walk in victory. Come on, some of the brethren are turning into big ponzies at the moment, so they are. Afraid. Effeminate church. We're not afraid and we're not an effeminate church. 
We're blood bought. We're blood washed. We're redeemed children of God. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And we sang it the other week. Greater is he who is than he that is. It's time to believe it. Not just think it. Believe it. Hear it. Receive it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Notice here the methodia, the the methods of the devil. The methods of the devil are vast. But he's already a defeated foe. He's already a defeated foe. His head was crushed. Will you say crushed? His head was crushed. Crushed by Christ at Calvary. His head was crushed by Christ. It's time to it's time to understand who you are. I'm not talking about a pride thing, an arrogance thing. I'm talking about a confidence thing in Christ. A confidence in Christ. I am confident that I'm saved. Present tense. I am confident that I am being saved and kept in a state of salvation every day. Even though that I'm failing and I'm wayward and that I can be all of these things like everyone else and all the temptations that are, would come and all the, the trials that would come. Brothers and sisters, it happens to us all. But look, We need to stand, Paul says. Didn't say run away. We need to stand. The devil or diabolos is the slanderer, the false accuser, one who tricks another and attacks their character or even reputation. He's a maligner, a vilifier. He's one who belittles another, that is you and me. He belittles us. Here's what I want you to see this morning, brothers and sisters. That this one whom is called the Abelos, the idea is that the, he, the wines, the methods, it, it means he... He's malignant. I've told you that. He's malignant. He just doesn't stop when he gets a little thought into you. He doesn't, he doesn't stop his attack even when you get one victory over him, as it were. Even with the Lord in the wilderness, it says, and after the, 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 his temp, tempting the Lord in the wilderness, It says, and he left him for a season. For a season. And then we're told that the devil enters into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray the Lord. You see, he couldn't get him in the wilderness, but he thought he had him on the cross. 
But what he didn't realize is this, and this is what you and I need to realize. We need to believe this for every moment, for every day. He thought he had him now at the cross. All the devil was doing was playing into the Lord's sovereign will. That's all he was doing. The Lord let the devil be the devil. And the devil's a bad devil. But guess what? God is a, he's a good God. He's a good God. And God allowed the devil to be the devil. And as a believer, if, if you're not persevering in these things, persevering through, leaning into the spirit, trusting in the word, Look, the, the perseverance is the, of the saints is the preservation of the spirit in the saint. It doesn't mean to say you're not going to have to try, dig deep and suffer. We hear about you know, health, wealth and prosperity. Tell that to the reformers. Tell that to the early church. Health, wealth and prosperity. Brothers and sisters, we live in a world that is wicked and cruel and godless. It's wicked, it's cruel, and it's godless. And it's getting worse. I was incensed for the last couple of days at those elections in Northern Ireland. I I, I felt I I was going to kick the TV yesterday morning. But you know the worst of it is? It shows the state of Northern Ireland. The wickedness now in the hearts of all the people. Unionists and nationalists alike. You know why? You can tell by the parties and their policies. You can tell by those parties who put all of these things in force. Slaying the baby in the womb. Look at the votes they're getting. Not allowing the witness to go on outside the centres, putting these abominable laws in place, passing all sorts of laws that are ungodly. And I could go on and on, and brothers and sisters, I'm, I don't want to go down this route this morning, but when I looked at it and I thought about it, I felt sorry for Alison yesterday having to put up with me. That's what I see in it. That's what I see. It gives us a temperature of the heart of people. And listen, I'm going to say this, and I know we'll be in for a humming, but I don't care. See, if you're a Christian and you voted for one of those parties who has voted for slaying the baby in the womb, See, if you're a unionist and you voted for one of those parties like that and you say you're a Christian, shame on you. Shame on you. Voting in all these abominable laws and others, as you know, taking away the biblical 
construct of biblical marriage between a man and a woman. And these parties are putting this out now. And I'm not talking about, I'm looking at the spiritual context of this behind us. The spiritual context. Doesn't matter whether you're, whether they voted uh, green or orange or, or unionist or nationalist, the spiritual temperature of all of them is shameful. You see, the devil is having his way. But God is only allowing it for a space of time. And here's what it'll do. It'll sort out the wheat from the chaff. It'll sort out the men from the boys. It'll sort out the the women from from the young girls in the faith. And it's going to get worse and it will sort them out. It's going to sort us out. This Diabolus, this, it means he, he is a, a vilifier and he's diabolical. We get our word from. Notice, brothers and sisters, if you will. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, I want you to see, I don't want to give glory to the devil. He is defeated. And as one Puritan said, he's, Satan is God's ape. He does what he's told. He's allowed to roam about. And why would God allow that? God's justified in everything. So everyone will have, uh, uh, if it's a visual sense in the stars, the moon, the sky, to show that there's a creator and denied him, or they've heard the gospel and their dead hearts have rejected him, or those whom Christ as God has quickened by his spirit will receive him. Acts 10.38, notice what it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. I could stay there for a month and preach on that. The Father anointed his Son with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and with power. The word power there is, is not exousia for authority and license and privilege, but rather it is dunamis, meaning with dynamic and dynamite power. It's a self-inherent power. Let me tell you what I mean. If I come and I've explained this before, uh, dunamis is where we get dynamite. So if I stick a stick of dynamite here and the fuses come out, if I left it there in, in this this stick of dynamite, there's, there's an inherent power in it. And we're, we're, we're pretty safe as long as it stays like that. I don't carry matches because I don't smoke. Because I love the Lord more than I used to love my dope. And any other things I put in my mouth. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he dwells in it. I don't want them coming to one that seems like a chimney. With a fire. I notice this. If that stick of dynamite was here. It's 
pretty harmless. But if I did smoke and I pulled out a lighter or matches and I let that fuse and stood back to here, I could guarantee you that those two doors down that one and that one would be open and everyone would be clearing decks as fast as you could. Because when the fuse hits the dynamite, the inherent power is released and the explosion happens. That's the idea of the dunamis power. God, how God anointed Jesus the Holy Ghost and power. Inherent in Christ is Almighty God in flesh. Everything that God is, Christ is. The power of God is in him veiled in humanity. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The word devil is the same, diabolos. Oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. See the word doing good? It's the word eugoretio. And, and it gives the idea of someone who's a, I can hardly say the English word, and I never mind the Greek one, philanthropist. In other words, someone who's always looking for the welfare of others. The idea here is that doing good is God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about looking after the welfare of others. You see, brothers and sisters, when you're attacked, as it were, when your own mind, as it were, or whether it is the devil speaking or if it's a demonic influence oppressing, or no matter what it might be, that which is morning, noon, night, laying in your bed, it doesn't matter where or when, when temptation comes and you feel, oh, I'm tempted. Well, sure, I'll just do it anyway, and then I'll plead for forgiveness afterwards. We're going to talk about that tonight. A whole lot of Christians think, oh, well, you know what? I'll just do it and then sure I'll plead for forgiveness afterwards. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. It costs you. Your salvation is free. And he will forgive you out of a repentant heart. But it will cost you in the interim or else in the long term. It costs you. You hear me? It costs you, brothers and sisters. Not to obey him, it costs you. It costs you in your walk with him. It costs you wondering, well, where's God? I, I can't experience God. I feel far away from God. Well, then we need to look at ourselves because he's went nowhere. It costs you. You agateo or to be a philanthropist means a person who seeks to promote the welfare of others. And Jesus seeks to promote your welfare. He done it in the scriptures, and he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Hence, when you are going through all of these things and you feel so much has come into your home or your family or, or into your life, into your mind, you feel all of these things, you know, you, 
You think all of these things. You're, you, you feel that you're even worthless in many of these things. Brothers and sisters, I want to stress to you that Jesus, and I said with the reverence and respect to him, he's like the greatest philanthropist there ever was because he sought the welfare of each and every one of us. He went to the cross and he paid your debt. He went to the cross and he shed his blood for you. He went to the cross and he redeemed his enemy who was you. And so when these things are happening, Lord, you're seeking my welfare. I don't understand it, but I I know you're seeking my welfare. Notice he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed, not possessed, but it says oppressed of the devil. Uh, Would you say oppressed? Do you know oppressed? It means to exercise harsh control, to use one's power against another, to exercise dominion against another. For example, you know, We'll not turn to it now, but read it when you go home. Exodus chapter 1, and you'll read in Exodus 1 that the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. The idea of this word, only it's in the Hebrew, how the children of Israel were under servitude, they were under bondage, they were in slavery, they were under the, uh, the Egyptian kosh, uh, they were under the, the, the wiles, as it were, the methodia, the methods of, of Pharaoh. We were all like that in the spiritual sense. In, in this world, Pharaoh is a type of the devil, and we have the, uh, the, the Egyptian army as a type of the demonic forces. We have their world and their worship and the things they've done, and it's really in our nation today, and we're still like that. I would trust that this marquee, this tent, would be like a Goshen in Egypt. Goshen is where Israel resided, and when it was darkness all about, there was light in Goshen. Where there was sickness all around, there was healing in Goshen, there was help. And the idea is that they had them under a rigorous regime and hence the oppression of the devil on the believer, the individual, the man and the woman. If you take his word into your head, his lies into your heart, this is how he treats you. If you're not saved this morning, you maybe don't know the difference because you're already under his control, his demand and his dominion. If you're not saved this morning, he's already your master. Even if you're a nice and a good person, you're already under his management. But when you're saved, when you and I get saved, now, if any man be in Christ, he is a... What is it? Now, therefore, if any man or woman, any man, it's a generic term... Be in Christ. He is a. All things are. Behold, all things are become. When you're saved, he kicks the devil out. 
And he says under new management. Now whose management are you under? Whose management are you under? Are you under the rigor of Egypt? You know, this word oppressed, it's a big long word. I'm not even trying to pronounce it. I've jotted it down. It's something like kadadu nastio. I think that's it. To exercise harsh control over, to use one's power against another. In other words, listen, the devil doesn't love you. And yet people, Christians, go to serve him. It's an easier life for, well, it was tried once and it failed and that's it. Or it was tempted and all this. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you're saved, if you're truly blood-washed, blood-bought child of God, the devil has no hold over you if you don't want him to. Your worst enemy is yourself. Yourself. You're your own worst enemy. So am I. I was so incensed, as I said, for two days, so annoyed at those elections and the way they went and all the so-called plastic Protestants. They say they are, but they're not. They don't know the scriptures. They're lost. They'll be, they'll be out, you know, standing around a bonfire on the 11th of July drinking their beer and whatever they're doing. And, you know, they'll be there and they'll be flying their flags and all this sort of stuff. And on the 12th of July, they're plastic. To think that most grew up in a Sunday school at least and to look and to vote in people that would slay the baby in the womb. That would take away from biblical marriage a man and a woman. That would put in people who are tearing down the structures of our society. Most of the nationalist people haven't even heard the true gospel of saving faith in Christ. They have a better excuse. They have a greater excuse. The thing that they would, uh, that, that these so-called, they're not, they're not Protestant in the sense of biblical Protestantism. They're, they're just, they're lost. I'm trying to think of something nice to say, to be honest, but I can't. Yesterday I was incensed. I went out with Alison to do a bit of shopping for the youth. By the way, youth, don't forget your your meetings tonight um, in the polytunnel. So I went out to do a bit of shopping to get you all these stuff you like to eat. Um, loads of crisps and bars of things and 
all that sort of stuff. That's as far as I went. I went home and I was just so annoyed because I'm seeing the temperature of all all our country, all of it. I'm talking about Protestant so-called, Catholic so-called, whatever you want to call them, nationalist and and unionist and republican and loyalist or whatever, and they're all voting for communist, humanist parties, to say the least. Funny, Lloyd came to me and asked me about it this morning. I said, don't talk to me, Lloyd. (laughs) I'm trying to stay sanctified here because this, this Northern Ireland's way to hell in a handcart, basically. That's just where it's going. I'm incensed by it. So I thought I'd take the dog out. And I went out a walk with the dog, and dear love him, he heard the whole conversation. <laughs> I've seen someone in Mark, they peep the horn up, making up the road, and it was like that. <laughs> Trying to walk it out of me. And Lord, see all this. What's this country coming to? Listen, I'm not perfect. I've never been perfect. But I want to live, receive, and believe this. People may say, well, we don't. Yeah, I can see that. This nation, this country, watch this space, the way it will fall. To exercise hard control over. I talked with Allison and I said, I'm so mad. And then I'm so hurt. I'm so disappointed. And I actually said there, I felt that in sense that I could have cried. Could cry over this. And she says, Ken, is it your flesh or do you see it in the spirit? I said, both. She says, you need to get rid of the flesh. You need to get rid of the flesh. So that was me and the dog away for a walk. On tonight's message, I started to pray and I got lost for words. Part of the scripture is this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then shall I teach transgressors their way. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. I prayed it. I said it. I must have been a dozen or more times up and down the road. You see, if I allow the flesh, the devil will use it. 
Brothers and sisters, if you and I allow the flesh, the devil will use it. We can have righteous anger, be angry and sin not in the spirit. In the spirit. The devil will use it if you give him your flesh. Do you hear me? devil will use your flesh if you give it to him. Why can't? I can't. You can't what? Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You can't do that. I want to close this here. Look. Pages upon pages upon pages of it. I just kept writing and then this morning I got more and I thought I'll just jot it down. And Maybe you're feeling that the enemy is exercising a harsh control over you. Over your life. Over your family. Over your mind. Maybe you feel that he's having his way with you. But let me read Acts 10 and 30 at the close. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Did you say Holy Ghost? There's key number one. Ask God to anoint you. Your mind, your heart, anoint you with the Holy Ghost. My God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Remember that? The philanthropist, the person who seeks to promote your welfare, he's still the same. There's key number two. Might be that you're laying in fear, anxiety. The Lord's looking to do you good. But the devil is malignant and wants to do you wrong. The Lord wants to do you good. He's out to do you good. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How many days? All the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, follow me there, by the way. It gives the idea of surely goodness and mercy hunts me down. You check it out. Gives the idea to pursue after someone or something, to hunt someone or something out. And it means God is pursuing you, hunting you down every day to bless you and do you good. Jesus is your great philanthropist. Jesus is going about by the power of the Holy Ghost with dynamite power to do you good. But you and I yield ourselves to the devil who is malignant and wants to do us wrong, harm and bad. And we listen to him and he brings fear and anguish and distress. So who are you going to listen to this morning? 
John 17 and 17, the end of it says, Thy word is truth. Jesus says that the devil is a liar. Are you going to listen to a liar? Are you going to listen to the absolute truth? But it keeps coming to me. That's when you need to refresh yourself. Say it out. I'll say this and that's me done. It is said, I'm trying to remember the name of the place. Is it Gothenburg? Anyway, a castle in Germany. Martin Luther was there. And it says the devil came to tempt him, to test him. And it says that up to this day, apparently you can go and see there's a big stain on the wall. Still to this day. The devil came and he was attacking Martin Luther. Whether this is in spirit and mind or whatever, but Martin Luther writes about this. And they had the ink pot and the quill at the time in his writing. The devil's at him and he's at him and he's at him. No, those times he drives him out. He's at him and he's at him and he's at him. Martin Luther lifts the ink pot and he fired it at the devil. Smashed against the wall and the ink went against the wall and it's still there to this day. You see, it's time, as it were, to lift your ink pot. throw it at the devil what does God's word say about me what does God say about me in these times what does God's you need to know what this says about you oh yes we're sinners saved by grace but yes we are so much in this for you personally that you can lift the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and slay him God willing I'll tell you next week Brothers and sisters, no matter what happens, talking about you and your life and me and my life and family, let's keep the light lit. All those people out there, they're blinded by the God of this world. They're blinded. They need to hear the message of the glorious gospel of Christ. They're blinded. Let's keep the light going. You know what happens when the light turns off? The place is just full of darkness. And darkness will only exist where there's an absence of light. 